Hello, sipsters. Hi, sipsters. <laughs> Instead of a cold start, what's that called, Anna? Cold open. A cold open. Ooh, sorry, I didn't know the specific <laughs> professional <laughs> word. A cold open. Instead of the cold <laughs> open today, we thought we would kind of give you a a warning disclaimer. A disclaimer. Okay, a disclaimer about this episode because it's pretty specific. It's pretty raunchy, guys. <laughs> it's going to get a little raunchy. It's raunchy, but in a very professional manner. It's very because clinically raunchy. There you go. Clinically raunchy. <laughs> so just so you know, if, if if you think that this might be offensive to you. Um, Wait, we should probably say what we're... We're talking about sex, okay? There, we said it. We're talking about <laughs> sex. We're talking about fetishes. We're talking about periphilias. We're talking about all the sexy stuff. And we're going to be saying sex words this whole time. Like the whole time. The whole it's, it's all sex. It's all going to be all sex day, words. Baby. Okay. And um, so if you feel like that would be offensive to you, we would encourage you to just not listen to this one. Yeah. Go back and listen to another episode or wait for the next one. Guys, we've got plenty of episodes that are safer yeah. for work. And we safer. always we always say that this is not probably appropriate for little ears. Sure, for, sure young people but this is especially so. not appropriate not appropriate for virgin ears yes so protect the ears of and the youngsters and especially if you are people who know us in real life i know that several people who know us listen to this and if it will make you uncomfortable so, yeah if it makes you uncomfortable to hear your old kindergarten teacher talking about sex <laughs> or this your, might... your daughter-in-law laurie's yeah 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 we have some of those people that yeah so anyway if that is going to make you uncomfortable or if hearing about sex triggers you in any way we we really do encourage you to just listen to another episode you can skip this one it's it's okay maybe send it to some friends who like sex <laughs> okay but it's okay if you skip this one okay We'd like to remind you that the information contained within this podcast reflects our own personal opinions and should not be held as any kind of official recommendation. That's right. This podcast is for our own purposes. It's educational and, and for entertainment. Mm-hmm. Edutainment, if you will. <laughs> We're just a couple yahoos with master's degrees, and this isn't a professional capacity. So if as you're listening to an episode, you feel that maybe you need help with your own mental health, please do contact your own doctor or a therapist. And finally, we try to stay pretty clean with this podcast, but sometimes we slip up and sometimes we just talk about weird stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> it might be not safe for work. You'd probably better listen with headphones. Hello and welcome to Freudian Sips. The podcast about brains, beverages, and other BS. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Anna. And we are going to have a heck of a good time today. <laughs> Guys, we are partying it up today. We're going to talk about sex. We're going to have some drinks. We're going to do all the fun stuff in this episode. (laughs) Yes, yes, we are. Technically, our topic today is fetishes. When we discussed the episode, the topic was fetishes. Mm -hmm. Now, I personally did not do a lot of research on fetishes because I got caught up in all the other DSM stuff, so... Mm -hmm. Part of this episode will be what is and what is not a fetishistic disorder. Right. Or just a fetish in general. I think right. we'll talk about a little bit too. Um, before we get too into that, we do have a review. I do feel a little bad about doing this in our in our raunchy sex in episode. Your, <laughs> but is it 
it's not like somebody's like grandma or something. No, it's actually it's actually a friends of the show. Uh, oh, okay, Liz and Izzy. Oh well, they'll be all right with they're, this, they're right? Fine. They'll they're be actually... they'll like that they're in the sex episode. Yes. Uh, so they actually, Liz and Izzy have given us reviews before. They're delightful. They're a mother and daughter duo as well. So they see they see themselves reflected in us. Aww. They might not after this episode. <laughs> now they're gonna but... say those girls are raunchy. No. We're not gonna no. listen to them anymore. But. Uh, lizard via apple podcast says five stars she says hey ladies what do you know i'm a gold star sipster that's hard to say i continue to enjoy and appreciate you can't wait till y'all live tour the big br baton rouge so so apparently now that the pandemic is is starting to dissipate a little we gotta we might be able to start talking about a tour so the gold star thing when I was listening to one of the episodes, was that the very last episode? We said if you've heard every single episode, I think you're that's what she means. You're a gold star. She, oh my goodness! Heard every single episode. Yeah, because the last episode we said if you've actually heard every episode and let us so let us know. I'm so glad she let us know that. No, that's amazing. No, we we need a special designation for our gold. I call them gold chalice sisters because of our cult episode, but gold star sisters. We could make like a too. like a little patio in your backyard and like put their names. <laughs> on bricks <laughs> and then yeah yeah star sipster walk of fame that's a great and idea and then if we ever I visit them we could like do a little cast of their hands and feet <laughs> <laughs> so we could put it in the little stepping stones we, we carry around <laughs> we can plan all this out oh my god <laughs> well thank you so much for that review that was very sweet that's very sweet thank mm-hmm. you so much now moving on we do we're moving and shaking today baby shaking. that's kind of a sex thing too i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i'm just gonna make everything about and shaking during your sex both i don't prefer shaking during my sex <laughs> moving is fine i guess Oh Lord, <laughs> help us with this one. Oh man, it's good. We be have fine. very fancy, fancy schmancy that Anna made today. Yeah. Uh, so our drink today it does require a little bit of backstory. Okay. So in our town there used to be a bar called O'Griff's. Uh, sadly, it has shut down now. It was a really great place. Uh, so when I was in college, especially, it became sort of a ritual to go to O'Griff's for your 21st birthday because they had a drink called a Dizzy Buddha. Uh, it had seven shots of liquor in it. So oh my gosh. on your 21st birthday, you were honor bound to drink three of them because that's 21 shots. You did it. Good job. It didn't work out so well for me. It worked out fine for most people, I think. <laughs> but that is not Anna has a long history doing. of vomiting when drinking too much. Okay, well, call me out. That's fine. I always clean up after myself. I like you, to She's say. a very clean vomiter. A very clean vomiter. And I clean when I'm drunk, so it's fine. Yeah. But th- that's not the drink we're using. The drink we're using is another one that um, often on your 21st birthday, people would goad you into taking. Especially people like me who... Uh, so at the beginning of the sex episode, let me just say, I have always been vanilla. I'm a very vanilla sex person. I'm very boring. And especially when I was in college back, I mean, I was a virgin through all my entire college career. So, wow, that's uh, big self disclosure right there, Anna. I don't give a care. It's fine. <laughs> I don't give a care. Just, uh, I, I don't want to curse too 
fast in the episode. Although Good. Hold it is, back. Hold back it is going to be marked not safe for work immediately. And I'm going to put every explicit label I can possibly find. But I, I'm, I'm trying to restrain, restrain myself a little. But uh, this shot that we are taking today and the one that people would often make me especially and other people take to make them blush is called a blowjob shot. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. So what the blowjob shot is, is it's a half and half Irish cream and amaretto. So highly delicious already. And then you put just a little spot of whipped cream on the top. They're very cute. They kind of look like little pudding things. Oh, they're delightful. Now, I'm not going to necessarily make you do this, but I'm going to highly suggest that the correct way to take this is without using your hands and to just (laughs) use your mouth and flip the shot up. Are you going to do it? I... I don't know that, like, you had to put Did your mouth all the it? way around the glass. Yeah, it's kind of hard. I... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, my gosh, she did it. And she didn't even lose her headset. I didn't get all of it, though. It's but really good. Yours looks bigger than mine. It's really good, it is. Which is, okay. There you go. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's it. difficult. Mm. It's really good, though, right? <laughs> we're both, that's what happens. You, we're both wiping our faces now. Wow, that's good. Delicious. Correct? Yeah, I didn't like doing it that way. It kind of hurt my gums. <laughs> you don't it have to do hurt. it. I, uh, don't. When I inevitably make an, an, a second mm. round of them, we'll just take them normally. Okay. But that being said, let's talk about sex, baby. <laughs> let's talk about you and me. How do we start? How do you want to start? Oh, um, it's hard. Can I start by saying this? I don't know about you, Anna, but like, I don't know what the percentage is, but a good percentage of clients that's, that I see who are adolescents and older, at some point in their therapy, delve into something sexual, whether it's their sexual identity or um, their sexual habits or their lack of sex or their... If I had a nickel for every time a client was like, can I talk about something I don't want to make you uncomfortable? Mm-hmm. And then they talked about the most boring sex stuff ever. <laughs> like, there is just this weird, like, especially in therapy, it's like, like, unless you're going, I think, to a specific sex therapist, which those are real things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think there's always this, like, even even when you're in a space where the whole point is self-disclosure, the whole point is to open up and let some of this stuff out. For some reason, sex is still just taboo. It's like, oh my gosh, if I talk about that, I'm going to make my therapist uncomfortable. Right. What I have come to start saying is I dare you to try to make me uncomfortable. Try it. Try it. I, I don't think, cause, and, and maybe that's just because I'm in like work brain. I've never mm-hmm. been like, oh gosh, this is so uncomfortable to talk about. No, I don't think I have. Afterwards, sometimes I sit there and think, wow. <laughs> wow. But but not in a judgy way, but like a, I've never heard that one I before. I know. That's always where I end up too. Like, <laughs> wow, that's really interesting yeah. kind of a place. Yeah. Or like, wow, I can't wait to like delve more into that, learn more about it. I think that for me, there's a couple of things happening with some of my clients sometimes that, number one, that I'm older mm-hmm. than a lot of my clients. And so I'm kind of like a mother figure kind of person and they don't want to talk about sex with their mom therapist. But let me tell you, we have. Um, we get there. And and, and often I take them there because, you know, you you have to because right. some things come up and you're like, okay, we got to talk about well, this, you and know. Often and often it does kind of require the clinician saying like, it's, it's okay. okay to go there. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. need you to. We need to go there. Right, right. Like, this is a thing right. that is we necessary gotta go there. for healing. Right. Um, and the second thing for me is that I work in an organization that's basically 
Christian-based. And so even though I, it's not like you have to be a Christian to come to counseling there. But there is the, that kind of overarching, the, like, Right, ooh. yeah. And so I think, I mean, when you walk down the hallway, there's a big crucifix on the wall, you know? It's like you're walking down the hallway to your therapist's office, there's this huge crucifix. And then I'm going to go in and talk about my sex life with this older lady that is like my mom. It's like, good Lord. You should Lord. just take the crucifix down and hang up a big, like, pornographic picture. <laughs> To set them at ease. Just for certain clients. <laughs> Just a big old Playboy center field right in the hallway. I don't think that would go over well, but okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you are going to therapy and you're holding back on those kind of things, don't. Don't, because we always say the big thing about therapy is it doesn't work unless you're really authentic. So um, it's kind of like the same way I used to feel when I was a kid, not about sex, but about um, saying things that, that I was ashamed of when I would go to confession because I mm, grew up yeah. Catholic. So, um, and you would think, oh, I got this really, this one sin this that really I, juicy that's a sin. really, really bad one, <laughs> but I don't want to say it. So you go in there and you say all the little You're stuff. You're like, I, I double parked. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I, I wrote about my name gum out in the yard. Paper. <laughs> And then at the end, you kind of go, <laughs> <laughs> and, also, <laughs> and there was this thing that was like, for these and all my sins, I'm, I'm sorry, but I was like, I just slid it in at the end. <laughs> for all of them, all of them, even the ones and I didn't that's, say. Right. And that's kind of what people do in therapy sometimes. I think they have in their head like, yeah, I'm really fretting about this or that particular thing sexually, but oh my God, I don't want to talk about it. You know, I'll talk all around it. And that's those things that we've talked about before where people come in and they talk for like 45 minutes about, like you said, parking tickets. Yeah. And then they get to the last 15 minutes and they're like, oh, by the way. It's always the last 15 minutes. It's always the last. Yeah. We call, so in in our grad program, one of our professors would call that a, uh, what do you call it? A doorknob confession. Uh Uh-huh. Where like they're about to leave and they're like, by the way, and they tell you the craziest shit you've ever heard. You're like, oh, okay. See you next week, I guess. <laughs> Thanks for sharing. <laughs> okay, cool. I'm just going to ruminate about that for a whole week. But yeah, I mean, that really is. I think people, and, and you and I have kind of talked about that before. We're like that first, like, man, especially with kids, like that first, like 30 to 45 minutes is just getting them comfortable. Right. And then that last 15 minutes is where they really like expel some stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, now next time when they come in, you're like, okay, let's just start on the stuff you expelled mm-hmm. and let's, let's, we've are, we're already comfortable. Let's get into it. But especially sex stuff, again, I say mm-hmm. is very like, even as sex positive as we are moving as a society, I think there is still that taboo. It's a taboo for a lot of people. I right. think. I had one client who has shared some really intimate details about his sexuality. We had met like three or four times and he had really poured out some pretty heavy duty stuff. Mm -hmm. And the last session I was at, he was like, okay, there's this thing that I wanted to tell you that I've been too embarrassed to tell you. And I, and I sat <laughs> there and thought... That's always a real treat when oh. like, they've already given you some like really, really yeah, awful it's like, stuff. Uh, it's like, but yeah. honestly, what he then shared with me was not any different than the stuff he... It, but for him, it was more embarrassing. Sure. You know, in his perception, it was more not typical right. of the average, well, as you say, vanilla sex that, person. That goes so. back to like... 
if they have gotten judgment about it from others and mm-hmm. like that maybe that is more of a secret kept than than other things that are more accepted even if they're not harmful we are getting ahead of ourselves we i know let's talk let's, let's go about back. what we're actually talking about so as we said before what we decided as the subject as the topic of this episode was fetishes that's kind of what we landed on as like the here's what we're going to talk about but what happens when you start to research fetishes especially from a clinical standpoint and i think that's where the bulk of our episode is going to be is what's a fetish and what's not a fetish right and so when we talk about what's not a fetish i am going to go into some dsm stuff if you will allow me Mm -hmm. because in the dsm-5 there is a whole category of what are called paraphilic disorders and a paraphilia is just a sex thing, basically. That's right. what a pair Something that has is. to do with sex. Something that has to do with sex. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as a short, short history, before the DSM-5, um, the term paraphilia was introduced in the DSM-3 in 1980. Uh, it was a subset of the category that had just been added of psychosexual disorders. Before then, in the DSM-1 and 2, <laughs> the dark ages, <laughs> they were called things like pathologic sexuality and sexual deviations. Just surprising. Pretty uncomfy terminology, some pretty demonizing terminology. Speaking of demonizing, homosexuality was defined as a sexual deviation before DSM-3. We're not going to dive too much into that. We have kind of skimmed over it in other episodes, how that was not handled well before there was knowledge of it. But actually, most of the specific disorders that we're going to talk about uh, were present early on. Early on, And uh, between then and now, um, so that means like the DSM-3 revision, the DSM-4, the DSM-4 text revision, most of the changes were just kind of recategorizing things, renaming things, sometimes specifying definitions. Not anything huge. I mean, it's like, hey, there's weird sex stuff. Here it is, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so we haven't, it, it never really changed a whole lot. So I'm not going to dwell on it. Um, so I would like to just focus on five. Although you mentioned before that fetishes weren't around until what DSM? Well, what my research said was that it wasn't actually fetishistic. I cannot say that word. <laughs> fetishistic disorder was not there until the DSM-5. It wasn't called until the that. DSM-5? That's what I have. That feels very recent. I mean, there were fetishes... You know, they talked about it, but it wasn't like specifically... It wasn't its own thing. Right. The way that it has the eight categories. Right. 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 Yeah. It became one of the eight in the DSM-5. Okay. Okay. So let's talk about the eight. Uh, Let's let's talk about the the paraphilic disorders that are in the DSM-5. So as a just general... Can I stop you a second? No! I, I know you're really at a roll, your, your little ears. Anna has some new headset, by the way. It has little, like, I wanted to say cat ears, but they're more like they're bear. They're panda ears. Oh, they're, actually, I was yes. going to say, they're more like bear ears. They're bear ears. And they actually light up. So it's kind of a little distracting to look across at her, but also she looks so cute. No, please turn them back <laughs> no. on. Um, what I wanted to say was that we, to say that thing that we always say about what makes something be in the DSM-5, or what makes something a mental disorder, mm-hmm. I think that we should remind them that, that remind our sipsters that some of the things we talk about, you'll be, you you might be like, oh yeah, I kind of like that, or oh yeah, that sounds good. It doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> yeah, mean, fun. it doesn't mean you have a disorder I'm, unless. The things that I'm about to talk about that you cut me off. <laughs> We are 21 <laughs> minutes into our recording and mom's already flipping me off, so that's where we are. It's, 
It's the raunchy episode. <laughs> I'm going to flip you off today. We're talking about sex. Give We're me another shot it. and I'll flip you off again. Losing it. All right. Oh, excuse the hell out of me. <laughs> I will back off and let you talk. This is going to be our sassy episode. I think mom's being mean to me. Mom's bullying <laughs> oh, no. me. I think so. You can dish it out, but you can't take it. That is true about me. I will own that. I can dish it out, but I cannot take it. I will cry. So, yeah. So, what I was going to go into was the general diagnosis guidelines. Because, uh, like, I mean, I could spend a million years talking, like, saying all these things about every single one of the disorders. But when we look at any disorder, I mean, I mean, sex or otherwise, but we're talking about paraphilic disorders right now, there are things that are a common thread through all of them. And the ones that we need to pay attention to. So usually it has to be over a period of at least six months. So, and that's kind of typical for any diagnosis. It has mm-hmm. to appear for a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, the individual has to have acted on their urges with a non-consenting person or the urges and fantasies have to cause clinically significant distress. Distress, distress is the big word. Not only with this, but with every disorder. You know, it's it's a... It's a disorder when it causes you distress Distress. and when it impairs your functioning in certain areas. That is a common thing to remember in all the ones that we're going to talk about. Also, the individual experiencing it has to be at least 18 years of age. You can't diagnose a paraphilic disorder to someone who's a minor. And like I said, these are true for all of the sub-disorders I'm about to talk about. I'll let you know if it's untrue for any, but actually... I wrote that note before I read all of them, and I don't it's, think I saw any. Yeah, no, they're all. Yeah, um, yeah. So those things are important to remember that they are fantasies, urges, behaviors. They have to last over a certain amount of time, causing distress. I mean, those are the big things. Right. Uh, so going into them, the types of disorders that are listed in the DSM-5 under paraphilic, first one is voyeuristic disorder, and that is when you get arousal, and these all, again, it's just when you get arousal from this thing. Right, right. Um, so voyeuristic is when you get arousal from observing an unsuspecting person who is naked in the process of disrobing or engaging in sexual activity. Now, the key word here is unsuspecting. <laughs> right, right. So you have a victim. Yeah, basically. Yeah, that. Yeah, that's the word. Yeah. I, I mean, that is a sexual assault on a person. Right, right. And we will talk a little later. I mean, I kind of have its own section on, like, boundaries and consent and everything mm-hmm. and how that's a huge part in all this. Right. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, voyeuristic disorder is very specifically. Now, I think you can engage in healthy voyeuristic behavior if you do have a consenting partner and are kind of doing a role play situation. Yeah. And, and that's that's true of a lot of these. That, that like they aren't disorders if you're with a partner who's into Who's it. into that. Yeah. 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 So, so that is an important. And, and mom, just like you said before, like if you're listening to this and going like, oh, I like that. Does that mean I have disorder? No, not necessarily. Not if it doesn't disrupt your life. Not if it, right. if it doesn't hurt anybody. If it doesn't cause you distress. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't cause you distress or harm other people. Right. Then we're, we're fine. <laughs> it's right. It's fine. So that's voyeuristic, and that's kind of the the peeping Tom thing, Mm -hmm. you know? The next one is exhibitionistic disorder. A lot of these I'm going to struggle pronouncing. Just they have lots of letters. They, they, they have too many, don't they? So you've, if you have a voyeuristic person and exhibitionist together, that would be a perfect match. <laughs> I guess that's true, yeah. Because what is exhibitionist? You like to perform sexually or expose your self to someone yeah, else. it's the flasher. It's, like, it's the it's a, guy in the overcoat that's not <laughs> yeah, wearing anything else. Have, and they're like, yeah. 
So again, that could that could cause someone to be a victim if you're not doing exactly. it with someone who is consenting with you. Yeah, it, I, I did find it very interesting that in the DSM specifically, for both voyeuristic and exhibitionist, for a couple of other ones too, it's it's with an unsuspecting person. Like it's specifically listed next as one is an unsuspecting too. person in the DSM. Mm-hmm. Like yikes. Yeah. The next one is really yikes. Yeah, the next one is very yikes. Thank you for saying that. Uh, fraturistic disorder is what the next one is. Uh, that is touching or rubbing against a non-consenting person. So this is like the stories you hear in the news about someone like on a bus. A subway or something. Subway yeah, who yeah. rubs up against someone mm-hmm. and is getting sexual pleasure from that. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. That's when I really, I really have a hard time with. I don't get it. I don't think that you could do that in a consenting way. Because the whole thrill of it for that person yes. is that the other person doesn't know they're doing it. Exactly. So I don't I don't know that that can, one can ever be consenting. Yeah. So. But even then, I don't like most of the other ones. I can kind of go, okay, mm-hmm. I can see that. I get it. I get it. Well, I guess. most of them, not all of them. There's no, a couple of them. Certainly not all yeah. of them. But but most of them. I mean, like, and I think again that comes from being in a place where we do have to kind of empathize with people right. as a matter of course, where we're like okay i can see that you know but this one's just hard mm-hmm. wink wink wonk hard <laughs> i'm not gonna wink wonk for that one <laughs> the next one is um and the next two i think i'll kind of pair together are sexual masochism disorder and sexual sadism disorder there is a distinction. Sexual masochism is finding arousal from the act of being humiliated or um, beaten or bound or, or just suffering in some way. So that is masochism. Just being a masochist mm-hmm. means like you derive sexual pleasure from someone else torturing you, basically. Dominating you. And Dominating you, kind of, yeah. yeah. And that is uh, part of BDSM. BDSM is... Bondage. Bondage, domination, sadism, masochism. There's one more. There's, there's submission, submission in, there. in there. The too. S Dominated. stands for two S's. Yeah. Submission and... BDSSM. Yeah, but they, they cheated us an S. <laughs> dual, but, dual but years ago, they used to refer to it as sadomasochism. Mm-hmm. It's kind of been... Kind of, we yeah. like letters. Like, we like society. the letter thing. Yeah, we like the yeah. acronyms. It kind of actually has more stuff in it, but it's shorter name. Yeah, because it the bondage. You know, it, it just the submissiveness. There's it's more of an the humiliation term, thing is a is a is a weird piece. And I mean, so that's for me. Yeah. I, I hear some of that. And I'm like, well, you know, this whole spanking, whatever. <laughs> sure. Okay. Whatever. Ties again. Again, if you get a masochist and a sadist together, it's it's all again. good. Well, that's yeah. where that dominant submissive piece right. comes. Right. We could do a whole episode on BDSM, I'm we, sure. But the whole humiliation thing is a huge piece for yeah, a lot yeah. of those people who are into that. Right. And 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 that's one of the things I can't wrap my right well, because <laughs> I think that's because you and I are control freaks because I'm can, the same way. Well, and it's but it, isn't it also maybe a therapist thing that we often help people who have dealt with humiliation and yeah. it's kind of ruined their in life. Way. Yeah. So it's hard for me to think of humiliation as being something healthy. Counterpoint. Uh-huh. If you are using that in a healing way and taking control over that submissiveness, submission is already a word. If you're taking control, <laughs> if you are taking that back and holding that as your own narrative and and, and having the control. Because in a healthy, dominant, submissive relationship, you are in control of that. That's where safe words come from. Right, right. So, I mean, I can see how it could be healthy in a way and healing in a way. Hmm. 
Okay, that's stretching it really, really long. But you if you know, you sometimes you got to stretch it. You got to you got to stretch your brain to get the empathy <laughs> about what's happening. Okay, all right. So that's masochism. Sadism is the opposite. Sadism is arousal from the physical or psychological suffering of another person. That sounds Again, horrible. Sounds doesn't very it? bad. Yeah. It does. And it can be. It can be very bad. Sure, of course. Right. If it does that thing where it causes distress in either you or your partner or, mm-hmm. you know, if if it's causing dysfunction in your life, then it's, you know, and that, and I could see that that could go that way, you know, oh, pretty quickly, easily. pretty easily. Yeah. You so, have to have such a high level of trust if you're going to oh, engage yeah, yeah. in a lot of these things yeah. with someone. I mean, you just have to be able to fully trust your partner. And yeah. that's hard for a lot of people. It could literally kill you if you're not uh-huh. if you're not with the right person. Don't don't do things that will literally kill you. Please. No, don't, don't. In your sexual stuff, <laughs> or in anything else for that <laughs> well, matter. I guess so. Do that's your best true. to stay alive is what I say. <laughs> so uh, the next one, I, I don't think we need to talk about very much. It's pedophilic disorder. I think we're all aware what that means. It's when you uh, derive sexual pleasure by focusing on a younger person, mm-hmm. on a minor, on minor. a child, on um, there's several subsets of pedophilic disorder. We're not going to talk about them. It's a lot. Uh, so yeah, that's something that, is that we won't joke about. Very true. Very mm-hmm. true. Uh, so that is in paraphilic disorders within the DSM. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one, but man of the hour, fetishistic disorder. <laughs> Arousal from either the use of non-living objects or a highly specific focus on a non-genital body part. I wonder why it can't be a genital part. Because that's not a fetish. That's a sex. That's just sex. <laughs> you that's have just to, sex. You, you gotta have, to have those. on the genitals if you're gonna have sex. <laughs> do you? I guess you probably do. I don't know. Not really. I don't know. Everything not. else is like, well, it doesn't always have to be. Everything is that's always true. gray these days. So that's you know, really true. If you're if you're gonna derive sexual pleasure from something that's not a genital, <laughs> I mean, it's it's a fetish. That's what it is. Sorry, we're about to talk about it. That's what that is. You have one more before we do the fetish thing? Though? Yes. Uh, so so fetishistic disorder is not the uh, last one. The last one is transvestic disorder. Uh, that is arousal from cross-dressing. I do want to get on my little LGBTQ box and say this is not transgender. That is a whole different thing. There is a whole different gender dysphoria section in the DSM-5. Transvestic disorder is specifically getting aroused from the act of cross-dressing. It doesn't have anything to do with gender. Um, So that's my little soapbox about that. But let's hop back to fetishistic disorder. Okay. So yeah, mom, tell us about what's what's a fetish. Well, this is one of the things that confuses me a little bit, that the DSM-5 also differentiates between fetishistic disorder and fetishism. Uh, fetishism oh no yeah well, that's gonna confuse me and i don't well, like we'll see it. that's why i'm confused <laughs> um because fetishism is a pattern of sexual behavior that doesn't necessarily qualify as a mental disorder like you know yeah you you got the fetish and you're into it but it doesn't quite meet the standard of the disorder yeah it's kind of like there's other things in the dsm like that where it's oh, like you I don't feel like quite everything in the DSM is like that. Where yeah. where you can have anxiety but not have an anxiety disorder. Right, you can be right. depressed but not have a depressive disorder. Like yeah, if you just Because that's kinda how people's standards. work. That's how people's work. Yeah. That's, that's how brains work. <laughs> that is. It's not just like black or white. So basically Anna said, you know, that that it is that the presence of something, an object, 
is what arouses you. And it can be literally anything. It can, I mean, literally, you could have a fetish with anything. Can it be a birdhouse? It could be a birdhouse. Absolutely. (laughs) Especially if it had a, yeah, it could be a birdhouse. (laughs) I was going to get really, (laughs) where the little birds go in. That would probably, you came up with it. I I did not. Could it be a shovel? It could be a shovel. Yes. Could it? <laughs> How far are we going to go with this? How many objects can I think of? And could it be a lawnmower? Why am I only thinking of outside things? I know. I was like, I was like, have you been out in the shed, Anna? I don't. <laughs> so could it be a dish rag? Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Just stop. Just stop. Okay. I'm going to kind of sidestep for a second. Basically, though, the idea with the disorder is that you cannot become aroused um, without without that object being present or at least fantasizing about the object. So it becomes so central to your sexuality, to your arousal, that it's kind of a roadblock because you just can't get excited without that. So that becomes a problem. You know, some of the things that we think about. What I don't know about you, but the first thing that always comes in my head when I hear the word fetish is feet or feet? shoes, because yep. there have been so many jokes made about it and, you know, shows. And actually, that is one of the top fetishes that's when you look up the list of them. Mm-hmm. If you actually look up fetishes, they throw in a lot of other things that aren't technically fetishes, like role-playing. Yeah, is I... Not I- Exactly. Like, like, I think, think and, and that's, that's where, where, so we were talking about earlier, what, what is the, I, I guess, distinction between mm-hmm. a fetish and a kink. Right. Those are kinks. Right. Like, like role-playing kink. Like, that, that is, it, and I don't it think, has to be an object if it's a fetish. Right. It has that's to be a fetish, specific. So, so, and we were talking about this before, too, that, like, the word fetish means an object. Because, like, in religion, there are, like, religious fetishes that are, like, uh, like charms or talismans. Right. So, like, it, it literally means the object. And right. I think it has just been kind of, like, co-opted <laughs> into other, other contexts as as we have talked about with other things like OCD and, and right. stuff like that. exactly. It's just misconstrued. So like, why do I always forget the initials? B- BDSM. BDSM. How can I remember that? I mean, I always remember SM, but I can't remember the BD. Okay. That itself is not a fetish either. Nope. But you could look at it and take it apart and say, you have a fetish for leather, Ooh. or you have a fetish whips. for whips, or a crop, or... Um, yeah, but like, is it, but that's not the object, it's the act of whipping. Well, but if like, let's say you had a fetish to leather, and then you, you still had, Which, and the, okay. and the leather was gone, you were still doing all the activities that you did with the leather, but the leather wasn't there, and you could not be aroused. That would be a fetish. That would yes. be a fetish. So it's very specific. It would be a fetish disorder, because it, the leather itself, the right. object of the leather, right. is the sexual object, basically. Right. So it's really, if you get into the disorder part of it, it's very specific. We kind of throw that word around a lot um, and talk like spanking. Spanking is not. Not a fetish. It's not a fetish. It's part of other things, but it's not. Unless you are fetishizing the hand. (laughs) Or like a paddle. If you spank with a paddle and if you don't have the paddle, then the paddle's the fetish, not the spanking. True. Wow. Nuances, guys. Oh, man. You got to get it just so. Nuances. Woo. Okay. So here's that that word fetishism kind of taken into the little definition here. 
specifically a fetishism can form from not just the object, but the shape or the size or the feeling of the object. So if you are aroused by a feeling of silk, um, who isn't? And honestly. <laughs> quite honestly, yeah. <laughs> so, so the so your first experience with that was like a little pair of panties. But then, anytime you feel silk, you know, if there was a silk bed sheet like, or ooh, a, a silk scarf, right? That's a fetishism mm-hmm. because it's the feel. It's not exactly the object; it's the way that object felt, and that can be not only just how it feels, but it can also be like the shape of it. So, if you go back to the birdhouse. <laughs> Must we? If you're in, if you have a fetishism about the birdhouse shape, if you had a shoebox, <laughs> I don't know a shoebox shoe box with a hole in it. <laughs> Technically, it would do it for you. You wouldn't have to have the actual birdhouse. You could use your handy dandy. Shoebox with a hole in it. <laughs> oh, this is not supposed to be this funny, is it? Okay. I'm simultaneously so happy and so sad that I said birdhouse. <laughs> Can I give you some examples of fetish objects that are not from the top of my head, but from like a source? Yes. Like so. that a professional came up with. Well, I know high heels, you, and high heels and stockings are right at the top of the Girl, list. yep. Interestingly, the first one on the list is uh, body modifications, like tattoos or piercings. They also mention, like, certain clothing items, like you said, like like stockings or skirts or panties, panties or whatever. Yeah. Uh, rubber or leather is lifted. Footwear, obviously. Certain body parts, again, non-genital. Right. It's not. Because <laughs> once you hit the genitals, thing. you're just in the you're sex. You're just in sex realm. <laughs> Uh, but like feet, uh, it, which is called podophilia, uh-huh. legs, mouth, uh, hands, that kind of thing, um, hair or body hair. Ugh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I know. You're not going to get too gross, are you? Okay. No. I mean, I'm, I'm uh, trying to figure out how gross to get. But again, like a lot of these. So like the next one on the list is urophilia, which means sexual interest in activities involving urination. But that's not... Again, is a fetish the activity? A fetish is just the object. Like urophilia wouldn't be a fetish because there's not unless an it was just the urine that I guess. That you were, but no, it's the action. It's so the act yeah, of doing it right. So I think what has happened is is what often happens. If you just go by the definition, the DSM five, it's going to be very limiting. But what's happened is you you open this door and then right. and then kink gets. Kink and All fetish. Are, because kink there. is not in the DSM-5 no. that I'm aware of. So our cultures have kind of heaped all of these things in together. So Right. Right. Can I kind of go sideways and talk about how we develop fetishes? Wink. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why that was a wink. Sure. Because we go sideways. You I don't know. <laughs> I would like a shot. Do you want to prepare? Go sideways a little bit. Okay. While Anna prepares our next delightful, I can't say it. Blowjob shot. Interestingly, a blowjob, I don't know if you can hear me, is not a fetish. No, because there's no object. There's no object in it and the part of the body. And technically, it's, it, it involves the genital, so it's just sex. It's just sex. Just plain sex? It's just plain sex. Wow, boring, huh? Okay. Boring, plain sex. <laughs> 
so they've done research about what could have brought a person to have a fetish. And and the bottom line of that, oh, that's so cute. Thank you. The bottom line is basically goes to like, we have talked about Pavlov on one of our episodes early on and about Pavlovian or classical conditioning. In Russia, we dish. I don't know what I <laughs> Right, right. Perhaps. It was way back. But but we all learned about that even maybe in grade school about the because we talked about it in the episode about the whole bell ringing and then the dogs it salivate was nine. I was right. nine wow very good and we we debunked in that episode that there wasn't actually a bell or something I don't remember that yeah. you had to go back and listen to that yeah um, but the idea is that you're conditioned to get reinforcement uh, at a certain moment so we often develop fetishes because that object was present when we had some kind of great arousal and yeah, probably a, a, a sexual experience an that object being adjacent to our sexual arousal very good adjacent wow that was a very educated way to say that so um i'm gonna take a shot real quick okay okay <laughs> gotta be vulgar this is gonna be vulgar are you ready mm-hmm. warning warning <laughs> Warning, vulgar, vulgarity. I think it's called a blowjob because you get cream all over your face. That's exactly why they call it that. Thank you for, <laughs> you for explaining the joke. <laughs> explaining the thing that shouldn't have to be explained. That's yep. my job. J- um, jumping into vulgar to explain the joke. <laughs> oh, jeez. So if I can kind of just go in a very specific place. <laughs> I just did. Wing so. Wong. <laughs> It is a little tipsy today. I was um, gaming a little bit before the shots. Some some people have a diaper fetish. Mm-hmm. Get over it. So <laughs> some people do. So you you don't mean the people who have it should get over it. You no, mean everybody I mean, else should get, else over, get it. over it. <laughs> okay. I thought you were like scolding the people with the diaper. <laughs> hey, you have like, that. Get over it. That's weird. Just Stop don't do it. it. But that is, I think that is one of the ones that gets like really demonized. People get, yeah, really uh, freaked out about it. Okay, so there was something that happened in that person's life uh, at some point in their life that, as you say, the diaper was adjacent to a sexual arousal of yes. some sort. So, Which, gosh, when you're a teenager, when those hormones are flying, mm-hmm. everything's a sexual encounter. That's really true. Just, so, like, especially during those formative years, I think that's very, it's very easy to develop something like a right. fetish just because, like, we're unaware of what our hormones are doing and we're unaware of what's arousing us sexually. And right. And we've talked so much about subconscious and that those things that are there that we don't even know are there that are controlling some of our our feelings and our desires and stuff and so like Anna said you're a young teenager and maybe the you know the first time you really had a major orgasm whatever however that happened whether it was masturbation or or with a partner or whatever right but there was something there adjacent to you near you you were sitting on it you were looking at it while you ejaculated whatever that imprints in your brain Mm -hmm. and that's that classical conditioning like okay so when i see a bowling ball (laughs) which was sitting in the which was sitting in the corner of my room while i was masturbating and i looked at it and i had a wonderful ejaculation (laughs) bonus wow What I could do with a bowling ball. That's even better than a birdhouse. <laughs> Three holes 
are better than one. Oh. Goodness gracious. We all warned you. We warned you. We told you it was going to be bad. We had a disclaimer. That's what our disclaimer was So if right now you're going... Yeah, if you're tisking at us, don't tisk at us. We disclaimered you. We did. Don't judge us. Don't judge us. So, right. Well, it's funny that you say imprinting because sexual imprinting is a thing that I also read about uh-huh. where it, the the theory of that is that humans learn to recognize things that they find sexually desirable and activities they find sexually desirable during childhood. Um, so a fetish could result when a child is imprinted with like the concept of something being sexual. So imprinting could occur like during a child's like really, really early experiences with arousal and desire. And, and again, like that's one of those things that I don't want to say Freud was right. But Freud, like, Freud's all over this. Freud had something <laughs> where, I mean, like even before we are hitting puberty, like going through that sexual arousal kind of stuff, like sex is a part of life. And, and, and that is a thing that we might be aware of earlier on. But the concept of sexual imprinting is that during those early experiences, especially when we don't know what's happening, and I'm going to read this as it's quoted, it's based on an egocentric evaluation of salient reward or pleasure-related characteristics that differ from one individual to another. I got to be honest, I don't know what that means. There's too many words. But basically, like, I think this object is pleasurable. Right. Everybody's different on, about what and it just sort of sticks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's all sexual imprinting is theorized to be. I, I read a study about about how they studied animals for that for the imprinting thing, and they had goats and was it goats and sheep? I think, but they switched their moms like they had them nurse with opposite. Oh, interesting. And, sure. and then when they became adult animals, they were more likely to have sex with the animal, even though it was cross species. So, like, if a sheep nursed <laughs> from a goat, just there, <laughs> the cigar, like, I told you, I told you, goats. those goats look and at these goats. <laughs> yeah, so like, if a sheep nursed on a goat, that sheep, when he grew up to be a man sheep, <laughs> would try to find a, a goat a lady, lady goat. <laughs> a lady goat to have sex with because he thinks they're sexy. Are you are those are those female sheeps? Yeah. Or female goats, or both? No, you. I, I don't know. I know they're sheep. I don't know if they're goats. You, you. <laughs> not you, listener. I, no, not the no, goat is no, going to imprint no. sexually on you. <laughs> That's a very scary thing. No, no. Okay. No. <laughs> so when people have fetish as a disorder, where it is causing them. Distress. I was trying to become a, I was concerned. That's not the right Concern. word. <laughs> this concerns well, me very much. Fair. Distress. Yeah. Um, they might go to therapy because it's causing them distress of some sort. And there's not really, <laughs> I always go back to the, there's not, there's not really a specific kind of, of therapy that will always help with that. And there's not really medication for it. You might be medicated for anxiety, which might be causing you to obsess with that fetish but that's not it's not specifically for yeah like one of the ones i saw listed as like how to treat fetishism mm-hmm. is aversion therapy which yeah. i think is pretty unethical quite honestly yeah. aversion therapy have you ever seen clockwork orange <laughs> that part where they like uh hold his eyelids open and they like basically like 
reprogram him. Right. That's kind of aversion therapy. Aversion therapy is like thoughts of a fetish or or desire perceived bad sexual desire whatever um but specifically a fetish are paired with like an aversive stimulus like an electric shock mm-hmm. like what what <laughs> it doesn't sound think about the ethical. bowling ball zap <laughs> <laughs> basically that's what it is it's yeah it's just like it's just not a good way no. to handle that I basically mm-hmm. but yeah i mean i think that basically the best way to handle it is to and this is just me coming from an existentialist point, is find out why. Mm-hmm. Understand where that came from and understand if it is something that you can have as your as your sexual thing. Like, right. it's okay if it is. Like, if we can work through it and get you to a place where you're like, that's just how my sexual arousal works. Okay. Right. And as long as you find a partner who's cool with that, great. Right. Like, that's okay. That means it's not causing you distress anymore. That means it's not a disorder. And that might be the specific reason that you would want to change that about yourself if right. your partner was not okay with your fetish. Right. And, and, you, and you want to be with that partner... Yeah. And so then you you choose to work on it. You choose to try to 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 get some new programming. Right. And and because I have also worked with someone who um, gets aroused by diapers, and, and like we have processed. I mean, like one of the very first things we processed is like, how have your partners reacted to this? Mm-hmm. You know, when you felt comfortable enough, because you have to feel really comfortable to share that with someone. Oh yeah, yeah. When you feel comfortable enough. And you have opened up about that. What has that reaction been like? And how have they, like, like were they at least willing to try it? Were mm-hmm. they, you know, and like that is something that we had to really process with is like, you know, are you willing to find a partner who's into it so you can explore that together? Mm-hmm. Or is this something that we need to change, basically? Mm-hmm. So let's talk about boundaries and consent I think that we should at least mention it just because it is so flat out mentioned in the the DSM parts of it that, you know, there is a common theme of things verging into the realm of disordered sexual preference when it becomes something that involves someone who's unsuspecting. Right. You called them a victim. Yes, that, that would be a, like, you are sexually abusing that person. I know that you have your own thing, but if your own thing is engaged with someone who is not consenting fully that is sexual assault right and so like i you know as we're talking about this and saying you know if you're listening to this and saying yeah it's my thing well don't demonize my thing don't kink shame me man i am gonna kink shame you if you're victimizing other people that's right don't do that that's right so so you know like that's distress that is some causing something distress that's right yes and, and, like, again, we kind of look at BDSM as, you know, between two consenting adults, that's great. Not bad by any means. But everyone has to be on the same page when it comes to that. And when it comes to, you know, just, like, if it exceeds people's boundaries and comfort levels, that's when there's a problem. But that goes with any kind of sex. I, I mean, consent and communication is so, so important when we're talking about sex. Not only fetishistic, not only all these other paraphilias, but everything sex. Communicate with your partner. Make sure right. you're on the same page. That's what's going to eliminate the distress in the first place. Mm-hmm. That's my soapbox about consent. I don't know if you want to add anything. That's very good. <laughs> no, that's very good. Okay. Can I go sideways again? <laughs> That's kind of what I've been doing this yeah. episode. Shimmy us sideways. There was um this article I read that was actually from a book 
Um, Justin Lemeyer, he, he's a PhD, a researcher. He's a fellow at Kinsey Institute. So oh. we know that name is, you know, being all about sex all the time. Well, Kinsey Institute. some of us might. Kinsey, uh, there's a well-known Kinsey scale, and it uh, is for, like, your, your sexual preference in terms of, like, same versus opposite sex. But Alfred Kinsey was a sexologist, basically. Uh-huh. He's very big in the, the researching and sex and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, so this Lee Meyer is is a fellow at the Kinsey Institute. So he's all about about uh, researching sex. <laughs> Just his whole Just job. Sex. Whole job. And he wrote a book actually called "Tell Me What You Want." Mm. Mm. <laughs> mm, okay. And he surveyed four thousand one hundred seventy-five Americans. That's a pretty good yeah, number. So that's, that's a pretty good, a good um, survey. Yeah, a good size of of people, and good I just sample size. Right, that's what the word I was trying to look for. Mm-hmm. Um, he says that that the number one, and he calls them kinks. He talks about fetishes, but he talks about fetishes as a kink because it's not a disorder in the sense. way he talks yes. about it. So he does talk about BDSM first, and and I think I left out a word before because it's bondage, discipline, dominance, oh. submission, and sadism, masochism. I can honestly so say I've two, never heard the discipline part. Two Ds and two Ss. B-D-D-S-S-M. Yeah. It just doesn't roll off the tongue quite <laughs> It's the most fantasized. Sure. 93% of men and 96% of women had fantasized at least, at least fantasized, if not taken part, in some aspect of this, which... Which could just it's be interesting. handcuffs. It yeah. could be something really easy, really light. Or spanking. But I think spanking it's, is a part of BDSM. Ac- and that, absolutely. And that's very, very kind of on even, the vanilla side. Even biting is. Really? Because sure. anything that, you know, causes a little Are bit. Are hickeys? I would think, yeah. On the on the very, on it's the like end of the spectrum. control, kind of, wouldn't it? Ooh, yeah. Ooh. I never thought of it that way, but that's really true. Mm-hmm. Is marking your territory right, or right. whatever. Right, right. So other, ooh. I have never had a hickey. Never? Never had a hickey. And I don't want a hickey. It seems like it would hurt. <laughs> I am not someone who's like, oh, yes, spank me. Cause me pain. I'm like, ow, don't. <laughs> that hurts. Do not do it. Do not hurt me, please. <laughs> so so hickeys just seem like they would hurt. No one's ever given me a hickey. <laughs> so this... I don't know where to go with that. But anyway. Go back to whatever case um, he was talking about. He says that obviously it's a wide spectrum of behaviors from mild to wild, as we were talking about. Most people are more on the mild end. Mild to wild. Mild to wild. It's a great scale. I know, I know. I love that. It, it, it could involve fantasies. It, it kind of either dovetails or overlaps with several other things. And and like role play is, is one of the big things. Tying up your partner or being tied up yourself and spanking or biting, as we said. This author said that that his research shows that people are drawn to this for several reasons. Um, one of the biggest ones is kind of just an escape from traditional stuff. You know, like just that thought, like this any is kind of, of taboo. Rebelling, any kind yeah. of taboo, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of like, even if it is pretty benign, isn't really out of the realm. Right. There is that just like, we're not going to talk about it. So, ooh, taboo. Ooh. And quite frankly, it's been very... What is the word? I don't want to advertise. Is the right word? Like it's, it's been played up a lot. Um, Which part? The sadomasochistic stuff. Oh, sure. You know, ever since the Fifty Shades of Grey, yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's kind of like the yeah, yeah, that's yeah, like yeah, yeah. the touchstone. But the, in our society, that's 50 often shades called is not upon. A BDSM relationship. Let me just say that. No, it's not. <laughs> I it can, is I not. I can do a whole thing on it. <laughs> 
in his of all those people that he surveyed, 45% of them reported having a fetish fantasy of some sort. Sure. So not quite half. 45? 45. That's actually way lower than I would have expected. Men report having more than women. Okay. And the single most common fetish fantasy involved in his survey was... Feets? Feets. Feets? Yeah. One in seven adults... Feets or shoes? Feet. Weird. Yeah. That is... I'm sorry. I don't mean to kink shame. If you like feet, you're not weird. That's not what I'm saying. I just mean that I myself hate feet. You don't, don't like, like when to people stay. touch your feet. I don't either. like when people touch my feet. I don't like looking at them. So you don't like feet. to get hickeys. You don't like to get spanked. You don't like people playing with your feet. You are kind of vanilla. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe yeah. you expand a little bit, Anna. Fine, maybe I'll just spank you. Just a try, bit. just, just, you know. Maybe I'll have someone slap my neck and they'll give me a hickey that way. That's spanking <laughs> Two and one. hickeys at once. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm all about efficiency. Just smack my neck real hard. <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> so feet i don't get it i just don't get it i don't either but there's a lot of really weird stuff there are there's a lot there's i mean weird, really weird from my perception weird well, and that's the so. that's the i i hesitate i hesitate to use the word weird yeah yeah like me too that's sure. like saying someone's not normal exactly because we are we're nobody's normal everybody's different right there's actually you know we were talking about how they listed all those things that you could be aroused by something you you named several of them there's one that's arousal to bees and wasps no oh god no why melissophilia melissophilia is arousal from bees and wasps i know like it just makes me (laughs) there's some really weird ones i'm sorry i know we're not supposed to say weird but wait wait. let's because i have a list Okay. From A to Z. Okay. Of kinks and fetishes. All right. Good, good, good. This is a good way to end. This is a really good way to end. I think this is... So I want you to just give me... This is coming to a climax. This is... (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Ta-da. We are reaching the climax of the episode. We are going to do a little game where you give me a letter and I tell you about what kink or fetish... That okay. Is with. Let's start with B. B is for bondage. I thought I sure. Uh, yeah. So again, as we talked about, restraint, self-explanatory, falls under the BDSM umbrella. Um, very common, just from. I had one client say to me, like out of the blue, she said, and she's a young woman. She said, "Does it mean that maybe I was sexually abused when I was little because I have fantasies about bondage?" And I was like. No. No. <laughs> and that's, I think, the really harmful, and again, like, I don't I don't want to go too far into this. I could do a whole thing about it. But, like, the, the Fifty Shades of Grey kind of phenomenon has led to that. Like, a lot of the discourse I've, I have seen and read about the Fifty Shades is that one of the key elements in that story is how the main character who is into BDSM was, like, abused mm. as a child mm-hmm. um, and went through, like, sexual trauma mm-hmm. and how that's where the BDSM came from. So I think there is this taboo of, like, if I like this, it am I broken? Uh-huh. You know? Yeah, so so yeah. I think that is really harmful as a message. Right. I agree. Okay, how about L? L? This is hard because it requires me knowing the alphabet. L. Is it a weird one? L is for limits. We just talked about consent. It's yeah. talking about consent. Okay. Um, boring. Boring. That's not a kink. How about R? R. Sorry. I... 
I saw V and I thought it said V is for veganism. And I was like, that's <laughs> R is for role play. Ah. Another common kink. Uh, role play is when you take on characters outside of your day-to-day lives as part of the sex scene. So, like, the sexy French maid. <laughs> sexy French maid. Is that, that how she talks? I yeah, don't think so. All sexy. She would say wee wee. Wee wee. Sexy French maid. Je m'en vas I will just do things, monsieur. You things, yes. Um. Sings. <laughs> Roleplay is one of those things that, like, and, and you know this about me, obviously, because you're my mother. But, like, I have roleplay as, like, like I write roleplay, like, uh, basically collaborative stories. Not, like, online. sexual roleplay. Not sexual roleplay. No, just... Just, like, having characters acting. collaboratively writing a story with someone. I've been doing that for decades um, online. But, like, it's not sexual. And right. I feel like if I say I like roleplaying, it will be construed as sexual. Yes. Yeah. Because that is. But quite frankly, one of the reasons that some people are really attracted to role play is that they can pretend to it's be an somebody else. Of course. And so if they're ashamed to admit that they want to do this or that or act in this way or that way, they become this other character and then they can do those things and Absolutely. not feel ashamed of themselves. So it's it's a way to escape. It says common examples include doctor and patient, medical role play, which I don't like that. That's weird. That's creepy Hippa, to me. Don't yeah. like <laughs> Boss and secretary, pool boy and rich housewife, or college student and professor. Also Uh-oh. weird. Power <laughs> dynamic. We don't like that. Uh-oh, Anna has some... Yeah. I have feelings. <laughs> While role-playing often comes with costumes, it is a fabulous excuse to dress up. An extensive wardrobe is not required. Scenes can be created through dirty talk and pure imagination. <laughs> you don't need props, guys. You don't need costumes. You can just have an imagination. <laughs> role-play is one of those things that I think it tr- tends more toward mild than wild. Yeah, I think like, so Like, I too. think a lot of yeah. people incorporate Well, it depends on how wild you get with it. If you get into real big costuming and all that, then, you know, you might be <laughs> on the wild pool. end. Yeah. You just, just pull, like, <laughs> if you suit. just kind of talk about it while you're doing it, that's a little <laughs> sure, different. Sure, yeah, but. yeah, yeah. Um, give me an M, baby. An M is for masochism. Oh, man, I should have known that. Masochism is deriving pleasure from the high sensation most often referred to as pain. That is a weird way to say it. most often referred to as pain. What else do you refer to it well, as? Well, I guess if, I don't know. If you don't want to call it pain because you think that's weird if you like pain, I guess. If you enjoy being spanked, humiliated, or spit on, you might be a masochist. Oh. See, so that's that humiliation ever thing. spit on me during me like, sex? Yeah, I'm back on. <laughs> Bounce. Bye. Uh, do you have anything for K? Yeah. K is for clismophilia. Clismophilia is a gra- glamorous Greek word that means arousal by enemas. Oh, my God. Did you know that's where it was going? Because you were, like, reading it so, like, animated. I, then you hit the enema part. You were like, That hit me okay. like a ton of bricks. I, I got to admit, I didn't yeah, read this you were, before. You weren't ready for that, were you? Uh, yeah, so if you don't know what an enema is, <laughs> it's a medical device, and it squirts water into your anus. So, clismophilia is finding sexual pleasure from that. Hmm. <laughs> it says, not quite as glamorous as the Greek word makes it sound. Sure enough, that's it's kind of any any paraphilia, actually. Okay, give me a couple more. What happened? Um, 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 J. 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 J is for Japanese bondage. 
Hmm. Is that different than American Japanese bondage is one variety of bondage that is typically done with rope. Kinbaku translates to the beauty of tight binding. And shibari, which is a bit more mainstream, translates to decorative tie. Huh. Decorative is right. Japanese bondage, such as shibari, is an art form in addition to a form of bondage. There's even an entire shibari section on Etsy. Some of the best shibari artists, such as Garth Knight... Shout out to Garth Knight, whoever you are. <laughs> Old high art showcases in which their subjects are tied up and transformed into trees. Oh my. <laughs> so yeah, it's apparently it's bondage, but make it artsy. <laughs> um, how about an N? You got an N? N is for nylons. Oh. A nylon fetish, like tights. Often accompanies a foot fetish. One with a nylon fetish might enjoy the look and feeling of toes, feet, and legs wrapped tightly. In nylon stockings. Hmm. They hmm. might want to smell the nylons. Ooh. Whereas, <laughs> listen, as someone who has worn tights to uh, fancy events, please yeah. don't smell yeah, my no, stockings. Yeah. <laughs> Just give me a couple more. You pick a couple more. Um. Okay. Q is for queerophilia, a specific fetish for hands. Hands. Queerophilia. It must be Latin or something, right? That's I mean, where does it come Latin. from? It's always Latin. <laughs> Religious words and sex words. They come from Latin. And it talks, and that's that's interesting as well, because, like, when we talk about hands, more so than feet, I would hope, like, hands are involved in the they sex process. They take part in, yeah. They take yeah. part in the sex process. <laughs> it would be very difficult to have sex without hands. So, so yeah, that is, that is one that it, it kind of, it's a weird line to draw where it right. becomes a fetish for hands. I suppose if the hand, I mean, like back when we were talking about fetishism and the objects of it, like mm-hmm. if the hands are the actual object of the arousal. Right. But that's, again, that's difficult. It's it's difficult to separate that from the other stuff hands do during sex. <laughs> hands are usually very busy. Although it does say some hand fetishists might get off on hands doing mundane tasks, such as picking oh. up groceries or doing chores. While fetishes are inherently sexual, many times the activity or object the fetishist is interested in may present itself as non-sexual in nature. What's one person's chore, such as washing dishes, is a hand fetishist's wet dream. Oh, it says That's just bad. Okay, I want to do S and then we can stop. S is for spectrophilia. Those with spectrophilia report a sexual attraction, relationships, or sexual encounters with ghosts. Come and have hot sex with them at night. A succubus is a ghost lady or a ghost in lady form in folklore or a spectrophilia fantasy that visits visits her object of desire at night for some hot human ghost lovemaking. An incubus is the male variety and also a band. Though the actual existence of ghosts is up for debate and for excellent Halloween movie marathons, the sexual attraction that spectrophiles report feeling is as real as any other fetish. Wow. Okay, you got any more you want You want me to go over? No. All right, that's, we did it. We talked about fetishes. We did it. So we always circle back around almost, I think, every single episode about self-awareness. Very nearly. And so that's a big piece of of this episode too, that that it's not ever to have you look at this and be like, oh man, I'm in big trouble. That's that's who I am or I'm that's... I'm doing something uh, yeah, wrong. I'm, yeah. That's never what we want you to come away from our episodes thinking. Exactly. So if, if something in the episode today struck you and you feel concerned about it, you yeah. know, then talk to your therapist about or it. Or if you just heard it and you're like, hey, they talked about my fetish. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Or maybe you're like, I haven't tried that, but I think I will. Oh, actually. Bowling balls. Hmm. Ghosts. (laughs) (laughs) Bowling balls and ghosts. The two highest rated sexual fetishes. But it all circles back around to self-awareness. And and if you're in a relationship with someone, that self-awareness goes then to what Anna was talking about with the communication and the boundaries and right. and being aware that communication is so, so, so important when you have a partner. And really, it's hard because like when you have a kink or a fetish or something, obviously you want to like build up enough comfort and like safety in that relationship to tell it especially if it is a more kind of offbeat fetish or kink Mm -hmm. but it's better to come out clean with it you know i like it's better to be open about it to see that your partner is on the same page rather than like sinking farther into a relationship that that will be broken by this right exactly so again Um, it's kind of it's there's a taboo of it and it's embarrassing sometimes but it's better to communicate than not and quite frankly, like everything else we talk about in mental health, this is a spectrum too. Always. So you could sit wild there. Wild to wild, baby. Exactly. You could sit there and you could be like, I don't have any kinks. I don't have any fetishes. But if you, literally, if you like, if you like when your partner kisses you on the neck, technically, that sounds very it's vanilla, a, as Anna would say. fetish because you're fetishizing could, the neck. It could be a kink, you know, sure. that you just enjoy when someone kisses your neck. Man. So we can sit there and be like, well, sh- I don't get excited by bowling <laughs> balls. But you, you, we all have something. Right. We all have something that arouses us. Sure. So, Or if you're asexual, maybe not. That's fine, too. Right. The idea, again, is being self-aware. Yeah, yeah. always. Okay. All right. Whew. A sexy, sexy episode. <laughs> We did it. And I only blushed like 12 times. <laughs> it is also a little bit. It's kind of warm in here. here. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think it's just the sex talk. It's not just the sex talk. <laughs> it's warm. It's getting to be summertime. So yeah, we yeah. can't blame it on the sex talk. Exactly. Will you thank our listeners for dealing with us? Oh, listeners, you are so patient to listen to us talk about sex for an hour. That's really good of you. And we do thank you. And we hope that... We didn't offend what you. Do too. We hope we hope we didn't offend you too much, and I that guess. if if you listened all the way through, you you had our disclaimer in the beginning, <sighs> and you chose to follow us through, and we were really glad you did. We're glad you stuck with us because see, that wasn't so bad, was it? It wasn't so bad. We had fun. Sex is kind of fun. We did. <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't know, sex is kind of guess fun. what? Sex it's is fun. fun. Sex is fun, <laughs> and can be good when it's good and healthy, and everybody's consenting. Consenting. So yes. Thank you so much, Sipsters, for giving your time. Absolutely, thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening this time, last time, to a different episode if you didn't want to listen to this one. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're Freudian Sips Pod on everything. Our site is FreudianSipsPod.com. If you want to get a hold of us directly, email us. Tell us your fetishes. Don't don't email us your fetishes. I'm just kidding. You can if you want. <laughs> Freudiansipspot at gmail.com is where you send We'll that. read it. We'll read it. We I, might not read it during the episode, we but we'll, we'll read it. Whatever. We'll uh, <laughs> please remember to leave us a nice rating interview if you can do that wherever you're listening, just like our lovely Lizzie did. Thank you so much, Liz. And tell um, us if you're a five star. Yeah, absolutely. We would love to know who tell that is. Tell us if you're a gold star. A gold star. Sipster. That's what it's called. A gold, gold star. Sipster. Gold chalice. Our theme music is Sweeter Vermouth by Kevin McLeod, and it sounds like this. Mm-hmm.